The reason why we were inviting Dr. Zreich at the end of school year was for him to share with us what was he successful in, what did he try that maybe didn't work, um, changes that he was um, foreseeing for the coming year. And then we would invite him back at the beginning of the year just to uh, give us an update, to give the parents, to give the community an update as to new things that he was going to be implementing in that school year. This past June, we were very, very busy still with what was going on in Puerto Rico and those that were coming. We continued to stay busy, but I didn't want to miss this opportunity to ask him to come. Um, and he's always looking forward to coming um, and sharing with us. Um, so today, it's going to be double duty. It's what happened last year, quickly, an overview, but then also all the things that are coming, uh, all the changes that are happening, great changes that are happening this coming year. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us. And I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Zreich. Okay, uh, good afternoon. Um, yo soy Steve Zreich, el director de las escuelas en Holyoke. Yo soy cubano. Yo hablo mejor. Yo entiendo más que yo, que yo hablo, pero practico en Holyoke todos los días. So, uh, my name is Steve Zreich. I'm the superintendent receiver of schools. I'm Cuban background. I speak, uh, I, uh, my mother speaks to me in Spanish to this day, and I answer in, um, in English. Um, but I practice a lot in Holyoke every day. But I'm going to do this talk today in English because it's hard for me to go back and forth in both languages. Um, but I can certainly take questions and answer questions in uh, Spanish if that's easier for people later on. I'm going to try to uh, go through as quickly as possible the work because I really just want to have people, I want to have a conversation. I want people to ask questions. Um, you know, that's really what this is about is a, is a, a discussion and a dialogue. So. Um, I'm really going to talk more about what we're doing for the upcoming year, but I will touch upon some of the things from the past. Our theme for this year is um, excel excellence through equity. Um, last year we talked a lot about what does excellence look like in our schools, but we really didn't do as strong a job of defining what excellence is. And I think for us to take it to the next level, we really got to talk about race, class, um, bias, and really about are we providing an equitable education for students in the Holyoke Public Schools? And we have to push ourselves to a higher bar around, when we say all kids, do we really mean all kids? Am I, am I doing okay on speed? All right. So this is my son, okay? And I show this, he's going to kindergarten this year. And he uh, told my wife um, just the other day that he's half excited, half nervous, and just a little bit scared, right? That's how I feel now about going back to school. I think that's how a lot of our students feel as they go back to school. And I think a lot about the fact that every year is a new opportunity for us to, kids come to school excited. And we either take that and we, we do wonders with it, or we crush that excitement and that enthusiasm that students have when they come to school. And so I think about, when I think about our schools, I, my son does not go to school here, but I think always about you know, what do I want for my own child? And this is my child who's going to school for the first time. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot about what those ex expectations, he's obviously not doing a good job of eating healthy here, but, um, but uh, he, he, you know, that's what I think about when I, especially a week, we're a week away from the start of school. So this is our mission as the Holyoke Public Schools. This is what we live by. And actually, can Mildred, can I have you read it, read this? Sure. 
to be the first educational choice for Holyoke families by designing multiple pathways where all students graduate prepared to excel in college, career, and community leadership. Okay, Izzy, can you read it in Spanish? Let's, I'm gonna. <laughs> Ser la primera opción educativa para las familias de Holyoke mediante el diseño de múltiples vías donde todos los estudiantes se gradúen preparados para sobresalir en la universidad, la carrera profesional y el liderazgo comunitario. Right, all right, that's it. What's that? Yeah, that's all right. Well done. Better than so when we, when we, we, I'm not going to read this to you again, but what we really believe is that there are many ways of getting students prepared for those three things. And it's not one or the other. I don't believe all kids have to go to college. I believe all students should have choices of either going to college, entering the workforce, and being leaders in their community, right? They should be prepared to do any of the three, not one or the other. Each of them is important. And it's just, I know it's important to the Holyoke, this, the, the community in Holyoke. And we talk a lot about what multiple pathways are. There isn't just one way of getting there. And while it's hard to be, provide students with many ways of getting to the goal, we have a responsibility to do whatever we can because success, I, we often tell our students, like how you get to the diploma, there are many ways you can get to the diploma and there just isn't one way. But traditional public school systems aren't really, don't do a really good job. You either fit our mold or you don't. And if you don't, bye-bye. Um, and that's why historically there have been a lot of dropouts um, in Holyoke and a lot of students who haven't graduated. But we're pushing ourselves around creating multiple pathways. Um, and this is what we expect for our students. When we started the high school redesign process, um, three years ago, we developed a profile of a graduate. And this is what we hope our graduates to be. We know they're not there yet. This is the vision. This is where we're going. But we believe in Diploma Plus. It, it's more than just a piece of paper with the diploma. You also have to, we want students to have college credits. We want them to have a bilingual, cert, um, cert, uh, biliterate bilingual certification. We want them to have job um, certificates workplace certificates. Um, they've got to be more than just the diploma to be competitive in, in the world we live in. And then below are just as important. You have to be able to communicate in this world. It's hard to do that when, when our classrooms are really quiet, right? But our kids need to be able to think. They need to be able to think critically, which is the second one. But they, they need to be able to write. They need to be able to speak. Um, and we've got to create opportunities for that to happen. And then we want them to be engaged, productive community members. It's not just about test scores or grades. Important, but they have to be good people. And, you know, we, you can use different words, character. At the end of the day, we want people to be good people. And then finally, and, that's, and we, we call mindful individuals, people who are mindful, they're considerate, they're respectful. Those are important qualities that we expect. And this was developed by a team of people uh, three years ago as we looked at what we wanted for our graduates. And we've stuck with this as our vision. Okay, so what is a pathway? And people have asked me, like, what do you mean by pathways? And this summer I thought a lot about what is a pathway, and I think about two things, right? One is 
uh, when we think it's a personalized experience, it's tailored to who you are as a, as a, as a student, as a person. And in my opinion, when we look at pathways, we look at two things. One, that it meets your needs. What are your academic, what are your social, emotional, what are your behavioral needs? We've got to do what we can to address students where they are, okay? But then the other part of it is we need programs and experiences that are relevant to, ki to what kids want. School is boring. I'm just going to put out, you sit, I, I don't know when last time you sat in a, a high school class, not just in Holyoke, but anywhere. It's boring. And if I, and, I, and I, I really don't mean this just about Holyoke, but this is a nationwide issue, right? I sit in the back of the class. I have a little bit of ADD myself. I can, if I can't last three minutes in the class, how do we expect our young people to do that, right? So we've got to create opportunities that tap into what they're interested. You're interested in the arts. You're interested in being a scientist. You're interested in technology. That's part of the work. It doesn't mean that that's what you're going to do for life. But it means, but, but um, we're not going to keep our kids engaged and excited about school if we keep doing school the same way school has been done. And that's why we've emphasized so much creating different pathways, because those pathways have to speak to our, our students. And so why is this our focus? Like, why does this matter? What, what does this matter? And I, this, this was just, this woman was the teacher of the year in Massachusetts last year, and I, I read that she said this. Um, quote, she said this in a speech she gave last week. This is pretty recent. And I think it speaks to what we're trying to do in Holyoke. I want every student to feel like what they're learning is authentic and relevant and contextualized. When school feels like it matters, students will be excited and learn more. What we're trying to do in the Holyoke Public Schools is make school matter. We've taken a lot of steps over the years to do that. We have a restorative justice program. We have an ethnic studies curriculum in the schools. We've opened, somebody mentioned Opportunity Academy. We created high school um, um, pathways that are not just at Holyoke High and the Dean campus for students that are overaged, under accredited. Um, <clears throat> we've started our academy designs. We've started early college. There's a lot of work that we've done to start that, but we need to do more of that because School has to matter. Otherwise, students are not going to come. And they're not going to be excited to come to school. And I'm not telling you we've arrived. We have so much work to do there. But this is what we're trying to do. So this is a, some progress. There's some really good news. I'm not here to tell you that we've made, we have a lot of work to do. We have not made progress in every area. I've failed many times in this job. I, I, I didn't expect it to be this difficult. It's been harder than I thought. But I do want to, I think it's important to celebrate some progress. Our graduation rate has gone way up in the last five years. That, that counts big time for young people, right? We're almost at 70%, and I'm crossing my fingers that we're going to get over 70 this year. The graduation rates don't become official until January, and we have until October 1st to graduate more students. So we still have three or four kids. We're chasing down right now who can graduate. This is the four-year rate, 70%. Well, in five years, that's a lot of gain, gains. Look at our Latino students. It's almost 20% gains in graduation rates. Now, I'm not proud of 70%. That's, that's still 30% of our kids not graduating in four years. Now, we're, not, we're no longer the lowest in the state, but 
we have a long way to go, right? I, I think it's important to acknowledge the progress, but I still want, I mean, our Latino students are still not graduating at the rates they need to. Our dropout rate, we've seen a big reduction from two, that same thing over the last five years, four years. Um, you see the drops, particularly for Latino students, come way down, right? I think our alternative pathways have made a difference. I think our teachers have made a difference, um, our counselors, and then, you know, our, I give our students a lot of credit for their resilience. We graduated this year, uh, this summer, 21 students. 21 students, many of them who, you know, our feeling is if you don't finish uh, in, in four, if, you, if we let them go, they're never going to come back. So we are working like night and day to get students back, and we have a team that's out there bringing kids back to school. Um, so you can see that. We've seen a de decrease in chronic absenteeism. But look, this is not okay. 25% of the students being absent, cr being, chronic abs um, being chronically absent means you've missed 10% of the days. That's 18 days. We have a quarter of the children in the Holyoke Public Schools missing more than 18 days of school. That's a crisis. And Enlace has been a great partner with us. But we want to, our goal is to get that number down to 20 this year and then continue to go down. If you're not in school, you can't learn, right? Yeah, go ahead. Are the They're just any kind of absence. Suspensions count too. Yeah, it's a big part, suspensions. It can be illness, it can be anything, vacations, anything that, pregnancy leave, yep. Anything that keeps kids out of school. <clears throat> Tardies are not in that number. No. Yep. So what can we do to um, kind of really divide it so that we know specifically what it is that, um, okay. So that instead of just looking at it as 25% of, you know, the students being absent, right. we have to look and see, okay, is it because of this or is it because we've suspended them because of it's through suspension, then that's something that you need to look more internally as to yep. what you know processes or steps you're going to take to kind of yep. minimize it. If it's kids sent <clears throat> out because of their behavior and now they're being admitted into hospitals, well then again it all has to do with process and how. Yep. What are we doing to prevent the behaviors from happening? Yeah, I think that's and we that's the information that we certainly can provide. I can tell you on suspensions, which people want to know a lot about, is. We've seen, um, we're still one of the highest in the state at the percentage of students suspended, like percentage of students. We are one of the, but we made major, we came way down in number of days out. So it means that we're still suspending at too high of a level, uh, too many students, but we're not suspending for as, kids are not missing as many days for suspension as they had been historically. Yep. So with suspension, you're not doing in-house because honestly, it seems like almost when you suspend them, you're giving them I agree. time off without having That's the right. advantage of still being able to keep up with their classes, their homework, so on and such, and still and be educated. Because the counselors and yeah. their support. Yeah. We are, we, last year, we pushed hard to do more in-house, um, and I, would, I agree with you. We need to do more in-house, although um, there are, other, there are alternatives beyond even in-house that we need to look at as a school district as well. But you're right. I mean, um, historically, we haven't done as much in-house. Last year, we saw an increase, a, a bit of a decrease in 
out-of-school suspensions and an increase in in-house. But I would even push further and say, let's look at other alternatives to suspension as well. Um, these are some gains in literacy. We have made some important gains in literacy. I can't go through the, can't tell you the MCAS scores because they're embargoed right now until uh, September, but it, in, and they'll be released publicly at the end of September. But we have seen some gains. STAR is an assessment that we use, actually can be done in English and Spanish, but that is uh, that we use across the district. So you can see we made some good gains in early literacy and ELA last year. Math is a real problem for us. We are really stuck in math, which is shocking to me. If you had told me that I'd come to Holyoke and we'd struggle to move the needle in math, I would say, well, with so many English language learners, we'd be struggling more in ELA. We've seen important gains in English language arts. Math, we're stuck, and a lot of it has to do with the quality of the experience that students are getting. Our math instruction has to be stronger um, in the school district. And I could talk more about that later. And then we saw an increase in students feeling more connected to school. I didn't show you all the progress points, but from last year to this year, we saw we saw pretty flat in parent engagement. We saw higher levels of student engagement in school or feeling connected to their school, which is a good sign. But if you look at our data online, you can look at all the schools and you can look, if you've seen the survey, it's fascinating, right? Some of the schools are doing amazing work with families and kids and then some of them, not so good. But it allows us to say, we know, and we made some changes. We made some changes in leadership because of that. We take the surveys we give families and students and staff very seriously in informing um, you know, our, what we do as a school district. But um, we thought that this was an important one to highlight. So where we're still stuck, I talked about math is an issue where we, we are, we've struggled as a school system. I continue to be concerned. Um, and you've, you've all heard me talk about this before. Mental health continues to be a major, major issue. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it later. I feel like we are struggling. We continue to struggle to serve. And this is not Holyoke Public Schools only. This is a, this is a, a, a nationwide issue, and it's an issue in Massachusetts. The governor just allocated more money for mental health in schools. But I can tell you that as a school district, I, I, don't, I haven't found the answers, you know, and we, I really want to, we started some of these conversations. We still have too, too many students who are coming to us with significant trauma and we're not addressing it. What we're doing in some cases is ex exacerbating it and triggering it. Um, and that's an area we're stuck. Uh, the other area I would tell you is I think around, you know, cultural proficiency. And, we're, and this is the, the issue around equity we're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about in a second. So this is our, this is our, uh, this is our pro. This is our uh, mantra for the year. This is our focus is around excellence, around through equity. And you can see, you know, it's not about everybody getting the same. Okay, we want everybody to be proficient or to be at grade level, and to do that requires different levels of investment. And those are the hard conversations that we're having now more than ever about what is equity actually mean? And when we talk about all kids, does that mean all kids? Does that mean the kids in the flats? Does that mean the kids in South Holyoke? Does that mean the students who traditionally haven't gotten in the schools that haven't gotten the resources? And do we give the same resources to every school? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't believe so. That's not equity. We, we, we provide resources where the needs are. And those those begin difficult conversations about families and communities that think they deserve this, you know, the same, 
or and and principals and school leaders who they're fighting for their school but as a district we have to make sure that our resources are going to support the, the children that do need to see the ball game and who are not seeing the ball game in the picture that you can see and we're wrestling with this and tomorrow we have a um, uh, a professor from UCLA who's coming who's written uh, written uh, his name is Dr. Tyrone Howard he's coming to our convocation tomorrow he's also going to be speaking at Sullivan School to the staff there he's going to Veritas as well and he's going to meet with community so, uh, so, uh, my team to look at our equity plan and push our thinking around um, when we say all do we really mean all and this comes from a this comes from his work Dr. Howard and I, I had a chance to go to his presentation this summer and he taught he really struck me he talked about he talked a lot about the classrooms of plenty versus the classrooms of poverty right he talked about this being the classroom. These are the classrooms that he, he sees too often in urban school districts. This is what we see happening. Okay, I, I have in Spanish there. A lot of busy work. A lot of kids just being assigned, do this work, do this work, do this, or the teacher talking, 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 talking. This is, this is not what I want for my child. And when I walk around schools in Holyoke, I still believe that we, um, that we see too, too, the classrooms are too quiet. Because our teachers try to control too much of what happens, right? But that's not how kids learn, right? And people say, oh, well, um, if you, this is the only way, people say this is the only way you can pass the test. I disagree. I believe in high-stakes testing. I believe in the MCAS. You don't get to the, your kids will not be ready for the MCAS if we teach like this. Because it requires you to think, especially in Massachusetts, other states, low level. But in Massachusetts, it makes you think, right? If we, if we do this, our kids won't be ready. And it's why our kids haven't performed well. This is what a classroom of excellence looks like. Or, we, or he, Ty, Dr. Howard calls it, a classroom of plenty. It's what we talked about uh, creating engaging learning for kids. This is what I want to see in our classrooms. Right? And our best teachers do this. They do it. The best coaches do this. The best after school providers do this. Right? But I, I don't see this enough. And this is what we as a system, when we talk about equity, this is what we mean. Every kid deserves an experience like this, not this. Here it is in Spanish. Sorry, this got eaten up over here. And he's speaking tomorrow about this. This is what he's going to speak to our staff about. And it's not to shame people. We're not shaming. But there is a pobrecito mentality in Holyoke. Big. Oh, we, you know, we're not going to make people, our kids, think because they have too much going on in their lives. Uh, that's, that, to me, is an, that's a, that is an issue of, uh, that's, a, that's discrimination in my, in my, that's a civil rights issue. Why not? Our kids can think with the best of them. The other thing I, Dr. Howard talks about is, he's, I heard him talk about, is we always say, like, you got to build grit in our kids for them to be successful. Nobody has more grit and resilience than the young people in Holyoke. 
We don't need to teach them grit. We just need we need to put that we just we need to give them a good experience. They're gonna they're resilient. I've never seen more resilient young people than what we have in in our city, right? That's not what I want to spend my time teaching kids. They come resilient. But nobody, even even if you're resilient, is gonna stick around when classrooms look like this. Okay, so this I apologize for this slide because this is too many words and I just I, I was trans we were translating very at the very end but this is what we're doing this year and this is what we're working on and I'm just gonna quickly go through this where we are trying to transform the middle school experience in Holyoke it stinks middle school in Holyoke has been a very problematic experience we it's not because I don't believe in k-8 I don't really care if a school's k-8 or middle, but the problem we've had is we don't offer a strong middle school experience and if you can't do it well in a K-8, part of it is a resource question. And so we've, for instance, we only have, we lose a lot of teachers because teachers are teaching many grade levels, many uh, content areas, because in a small K-8, you can be a seventh grade teacher teaching seventh and eighth grade math and science. Very few places do you see that model. Um, and it has not been successful for our kids. So if you look at our data and our performance, we, we we improve, we, we peak at third and fourth grade and then we just go way, way down. I mean, I mean, and by peak, I, I mean, it's re all relative, but you see a huge decline after fifth grade. Um, and I, I, also, I also see it in the level of the experience. I also see it in where behavior happens. I mean, if kids are not getting a good experience, their behavior is gonna be worse, right? So we've, we've started two schools this year. We have STEM, which is opening on the Dean campus. And if you haven't had to get a ch chance to see it, it's a beautiful space. Uh, they're co-locating with Dean, uh, with the uh, Holyoke High uh, Dean campus. Um, and we're going to have about 250 students there this year. And the focus is really on science. There's a robotics program. There's um, a lot more hands-on learning, more project-based learning. Um, and that's, that school's opening this year. And then Veritas Prep, which um, to Iho uh, Vai. And Veritas Prep is starting in fifth grade and it's building one grade every year with students from the Morgan and Kelly zone. And they're one of the most successful schools in Springfield. They've worked in a um, in an urban, they, they operate as a charter in Springfield. Here there'll be a neighborhood school. And we have high expectations for them. They've, de they've delivered where they were in Springfield. Now they need to deliver in Holyoke um, in terms of making sure that kids get the experience. And that's what they do. They do middle school. They do grades five to eight. That's their thing. Um, and that's what we're hoping they bring here. We are expanding arts and enrichment programming. For the first time, we're going to have band and string. I'm not a music guy, so I'm going to try to say this the right way because I know Mike Moriarty's in the room. But we have band and instrumental at all middle schools in Holyoke. They're gonna have access to you know, playing instruments. We're trying to bring back the band at Holyoke High. And we're partnering with Community Music Center of Springfield. Some of you may know they work in the Springfield schools. They're gonna be providing the band lessons. Our strings teachers will be providing the strings. That means every middle school. If you talk about equity, there were schools in Holyoke up until this year kids didn't have access to instruments. And then other schools, they had access to instruments. That's not equitable. That's, that's, that's problematic. And it, I, I'm not sure why, and I'm not, I don't know that it was intentional, just the way that things played out. We're also creating after-school clubs at the middle school level for the first time. We've given schools 
a pot of money where they can run chess clubs or robotics teams. They have sports, but we're trying to create, you know, uh, interest and motivation with, you know, whatever the talents that the school can find um, te that teachers have. They have some stipend money to give to teachers. So schools will be launching clubs for the first time, at the, and that's every middle school. So um, because it's more than just the academic part of it, but after school, we have nothing other than the connections programs in some of the schools. We, and um, not, to dis, not to diminish some of our partners like Homework House, but at middle school, we just don't have as many offerings for kids. And then finally, um, we are pushing very hard to build two new middle schools in Holyoke, two state-of-the-art middle schools. The, the, the state building authority, the school building authority votes on August 29th to, to give Holyoke the green light to then go to our elected officials to look at funding the rest. This is very important. I, I should have brought the brochure with me. Uh, the state will pay for 60 to 70 percent of the new buildings if it goes through, and then Holyoke would have to pick up the remaining cost. And the projected sites is a new middle school at Peck, where Peck is. I'm going to be the first to take the sledgehammer to Peck. And then, um, and then to build at the Lawrence site, um, which is uh, at the corner, uh, what is that, Maple and Cabot, at that site um, that's empty right now that the archdiocese owned. Oh, you have them. Yeah, can you do you mind passing them out? Okay. Uh, well, people have to work on their Spanish, so, yeah. Um, so this is very important for the future of the Holyoke Public Schools. We haven't had a new school in Holyoke since the mayor was born. What year, does anybody know what year was that was? Dean School, what year was that? Last? 89. 89 was the last time they built a new building. That's, that's pretty shocking when you look at what other districts have had and seen over that time. So we're working really hard at that, and that continues our middle school transformation. At the high school, Holyoke High opens as one city, one high school over two campuses. We have the largest number of ninth grade students in five years choosing career technical paths. So Dean, Dean, what, Dean became a school where nobody attended and very low enrollment. But we have, we're excited that people have said, oh, you're trying to push out career techno technical education. We're not. In fact, we, we have more students than we've had in five years this year taking um, in, in uh, shops at Dean, in the freshman class. We are launching our theme-based academies for 10th graders. We talked about, um, you know, tapping into motivations and interests. So we have four academies opening, community and global studies, media and performing arts, medical and life sciences, technology, engineering, and design. That launches for 10th grade. Each of those academies is connected to both early college opportunities. Does, so let me just be clear. This doesn't mean that all your courses are in, this, in these areas. It means your electives are concentrated around here. You still have to take English. You still have to take math. You have to take science and social studies. But you're going to have electives that are connected to the theme you've chosen. And your early college options will be around that as well as your opportunity to do internships and job shadow experiences. We have a partnership with CareerPoint 
in the schools that helps connect students to job placements um, and internships as they move through. Even though we're starting with 10th graders, we do have many more seniors this year and juniors who are doing um, internships as well as early college or uh, dual enrollment. And so we were, just, we were given funding from the state to build out um, early college opportunities with Holyoke Community College and Westfield State. And so I think our numbers over the last three years have um, increased by five times the number of kids that are taking college courses while they're in high school. It's a huge advantage. Yeah. First back there and then we'll go over here. Yeah. Yep. That's right. We're open to whoever wants to take our kids in early college. We think it's a great opportunity. And there's a lot of research that suggests that it's that early taking uh, early college is, is a stronger preparation for college than AP courses are even. Uh, not that we're, we, we haven't diminished AP. I still believe in the strength of AP, but I also have seen a lot of research for, uh, around uh, the preparation for students um, is stronger with um, early college. Yep. So I'm curious, the young lady mentioned some of the area colleges, but I didn't hear HCC in that at all. Oh, HCC's right here. Holyoke Community College, yeah. The, our two strongest partners are HCC and Westfield. As they should be. I like HCC's STEM program is amazing. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. And their uh, STEM director, who has children in the Holyoke Public Schools, um, he's new in the last year. He's good, he's working with our STEM school. Um, so HCC is our. We have more kids do enroll than HCC than any other place. So I was just curious sure. when you, when you mentioned about Holyoke picking up the cost of whatever's left for the schools have. Have they attempted to reach out because Google also has a philanthropy program, so does MSN, and they usually give out funds to certain schools and they insert tech into these schools. Have that, has that been an option? Uh, for in terms of what? In terms in of? In terms of when you build a new school, um, oh. seeking some kind of philanthropic um, funding, having them come in and actually donate tech to the school? Is yeah. that something that's been done? Or? Uh, so the when you build new schools, there is funding for new tech, but we are always, so if you have information, please send it my Definitely. way, because the STEM school is an instance, isn't a, where when you get a brand new school, it comes with all kinds of new stuff, bells and whistles, right? But when you're building, when you're creating new schools from scratch, like the STEM school, it does it. We Verizon has given us funding. We got funding from the Nellie May, um, uh, the Nellie May organization. But but the STEM school and Veritas still need additional funding, you know, uh, because they don't get what comes with a brand new school. Yeah. So if, um, what, ha what, what will happen to Lawrence and the children? Good question. Yeah. So we're working on those plans because we didn't. Uh, we wanted to be sure that we were going to. We were moving in this direction, but Lawrence elementary students will, the Lawrence would be closed eventually, and we would use we would move to a K five, middle school, and high school system. What's been really important is that we talk about equity. Two new middle schools. Every child in Holyoke would have an access to two new middle schools, and so what we have to do is create the feeder. We're going to have to redo. We're going to have to redo the districting, right? So uh, there'll be we will close some of our older bad buildings bad because of facilities, not bad because it's a bad school, but Metcalf's an old school, McMahon's an old school. We're going to eventually have to 
and then all the schools would be transformed into K-5s. So Lawrence students, depending on their, where they live, would go to the closest uh, remaining elementary school. Could be Morgan, could be Kelly, it could be, it depends. But Morgan will cease to be, be a school. It's, a, it's an old building. Yep. Um, I'm wondering if at the high schools, they're gonna continue on year-long course schedule. In the past, we've seen that students, if they've missed a certain amount of days for something that's inexcusable, like yep. daycare issues or something else like that, guidance counselors have been saying to them, there's no point in you continuing this course. You might as well stop now yep. because you've yep. already failed. There's no way because it's yep. a year-long schedule that you can just start again next semester. The whole year is yep. So some of these questions I'm not going to be able to answer as well as our principal, but I do know we, we have a mix of both year-long and half-year courses. One thing that we do have a new schedule that allows, it's a cascading schedule, so you don't have the same courses at every time, every day, um, which allows for more flexibility for kids. So we're trying to build a more flexible schedule. Uh, I want to give him some time to get, he, we have a new principal this year who will be with us hopefully for a while. O over time, I agree with you, but right now, most of them are year long. There are some half year. What's new is that you don't have the same schedule every day. Yeah. And that allows kids to go to take dual enrollment courses because it allows more flexibility. Yeah, I just think with the amount of absences, like we know 25% yep. of kids are missing 18. That's a failed yep. class. 18 absences yep. is a failure. Yep. And if you have the same, one of the things we've seen is if you have the same class every, if you're a kid that is late to school every day, right, right which we don't want to see, tardies, you end up missing the same class every day. Your chances of passing that class are nil, right? And so the way that we've built the schedule is you have a different first period class every day um, this year. Doesn't mean that we don't, the student needs to be at school on time, but it does prevent this idea that you're gonna essentially fail a class if you're tardy multiple times, um, you know, during the school year. Um, I just, so this talks a little bit about the high school. Now this is not, we're doing a lot more than this. I just wanted to highlight some of what's important and I'm almost done. So we are implementing a new writing curriculum. One of my big f misses, and I am frustrated that we didn't do this earlier, is I, at my core, I believe writing is the most important subject to teach. And when you're in a district with students who are developing language, you gotta be able to write. It's what I want for my own children. You all know in the work you do, you have to be able to write. So we have a new uh, writing curriculum. It's called Being a Writer. And it actually is, it has a social-emotional component built into it. But it, it, it gets kids excited about writing. And we're implementing it district-wide this year. I'm really excited about it. Because I just want to see kids writing. Instead of sitting at their desks doing nothing, write, write. But write purposely. Write with a purpose. Write about text. Write about what interests you. In, in our work, we have, to do a lot of, we have to do a lot of convincing, persuasion, analysis. That's what we want for our students. And you're going to see a big push this year there. And then support for struggling students. We now have hired a second behaviorist to work with teachers. Our goal is not to push kids out of school. We want to support schools on how to work with students that present with trauma and behavior challenges. We've taken a second teacher out of the classroom to coach their colleagues because we want to support we don't feel like our teachers are getting enough support um, and so we have now have two for the district that can work with teachers uh, with challenging students so that our first instinct is that student needs to go to the tip program or that student needs to go out of district 
we need to support um, or that student has to go to special education right away. Um, there are techniques, there are practices that we can do to help our teachers. We are opening a middle school alternative program this year. Um, it's, it's not a behavior program. It's a catch-up program to get students ready for high school. It, we are going to partner with the Y and students will be at the Y, no more than 10 students who are off track. And there'll be a teacher, paraprofessional, and some counseling for students that are on a path to not be successful when they get to high school. And if we don't get them ready, by they're gonna come to ninth grade and they're gonna go out the door, right? Or as soon as they turn 16, they're gone. So we're, we're trying to look at alternative pathways at the middle school level. Um, we, we are providing intensive counseling on mental health. All our counselors went to the Sandy Hook Promise training. Sandy, you all know what happened in Sandy Hook. The, out of the tragedy in Sandy Hook, they started a, uh, a, a national training program w to support school districts around mental health. We partnered with West Springfield Public Schools. All our counselors went on Monday. And then we are going to train our students on identifying signs of mental health issues in their peers as well by Sandy Hook Promise. So Sandy Hook Promise is working closely with us. Um, and then we are working with our schools on stronger behavior systems. One of the reasons that we struggle in Holyoke is because our schools are not, are too loose. They're way too loose. Expectations need to be clear for students from day one. I don't mean, I don't mean um, punishment or punitive. I just mean, what are the rules? Be clear about the rules from day one and make sure that every adult follows what they're supposed to do and be consistent with the rules. When we get loose as adults, any child's going to take advantage of that. And we've been, we worked with our principals all summer. We went to a training together on developing stronger tiers of behavior systems in the school. What are classroom what are things that the classroom teacher needs to deal with? What truly are office behaviors and what supports exist in the school? If it's not clear to teachers, if it's not clear to parents, if it's not clear to students, people are gonna, it, it, that's when you have schools that don't function well and they're not safe and they're not supportive schools for kids. And then finally, we have replaced the furniture in all our elementary classrooms, grades one to five. Holyoke hasn't replaced their furniture in 30 years. So we have new desks and chairs for children. That seems very simple. I think it matters. It shows respect. How about trash containers? What's that? How about I don't know about that. That I can't. That that we haven't done. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> but you got to invest in your capital. So I agree with you there too. Um, and then we've upgraded security at all the front doors, so we have new intercoms and video systems because just everything that's happening nationwide. Uh, so we have upgraded that, and then we've done a lot of work with lighting in schools over the summer. So just my last, my last comments are this. Um, we want to build on our success, and I, 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 we also have to, um, and this I, I don't, you know, we need to improve in the areas where we have not seen improvement. I'm not here to tell you that everything is rosy. It's not. Like, I'm the first to tell you, I, I'm still being kept up at night at pro with problems we have as a school system. We haven't come close to delivering on our promise and what we need to do. But I, I think we also need to sell, build on what we've done well. And there's some good things that have happened. You know, the other thing I, say, I would tell you is 
we have increased the diversity of our staff significantly over the last three years. So I can just, I don't have the exact numbers yet for this year, but even in applicants, four years ago, we had 9% of our applicants were uh, people of color. Uh, this year, 24% of our applicants were people of color. Now, that doesn't mean we're selecting enough, and we still don't get enough applicants of color who are certified. Um, which means that we have to support uh, our pipeline programs to get people certified. But for the first time in Holyoke Public Schools, we have three principals that are leaders of color. We've hired a number of new assistant principals that are principals of color. I wish more of them all spoke Spanish. We're getting there. Um, but that's, an important, that's important to us, to do, uh, that our staff reflect to the extent possible our student population. We're working on that. Um, and then finally, this is our, I, I go back to what I said before. Our focus is creating classrooms of plenty, classrooms that I showed you um, before, where excellence is pursued through equity. That's our goal. That's the lens for this year. That's our focus. And you're going to see us talk a lot more about that as the year goes on. So I'm going to stop there and turn it over to questions. Yes. So when addressing student absences, I was wondering if the satellite programs were an option at, at ATC. Most of the area colleges, we use Moodle to be able when we, you know, to do online courses, is that an option? And also as well, um, now a lot of the colleges offer laptops that students can take home in order to be able to accomplish whatever work they're missing. Yep. So with 18, you said it was 18 absences, that, mm -hmm. that that is enough for you to fail a class. Is that an option? Is there funding, possible funding for that in order to make sure that students are successful? Yeah, I, the answer is currently no, but I, I am interested in, Oh, so if you're a student on yes, that's staff, true. Or needs to have absences, like yeah. you're somebody on a maternity leave, you have an online thing that is a lot like Moodle called Play-Doh. Um, <laughs> All right, I'll just step back and you guys can, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. and I talk from personal experiences, I had to use that in my junior year at Holyoke High, is that it's really difficult to navigate, and then if you're a student with special needs, like, and I'm not talking about special needs, like that you have communication with us. I'm talking about students who have ADHD yep. who like, don't even go there. Like, it's just not feasible. And so they are presented with this option as a credit recovery source, but it's not necessarily accessible to them because it's hard for them to stay there and just like stay engaged without having a peer or a tutor. And then if the parents, which we don't in the school year, haven't necessarily, don't, can't help them with the materials that are being sent to them, if the tutor, if they're like suspended for five days or more and the tutor isn't put in place, you know, because that takes a while, that pro whole process. So it gets really complicated and I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I think the scaffolding isn't there for it. It exists. They're using it at the Opportunity Academy yeah. and for people who are on a leave longer than five days, mm -hmm. but often the tutors aren't put in place and the scaffolding isn't put in place for them to have the support to use it. Yeah, I think that's well said. I also am interested to see what the colleges are using in terms of video, uh, online learning. I think there's opportunities well, there. the opportunity to, to have that option, to be able to take home a laptop if you know that yep. you're going to be absent for X amount of times, to be able to attend the class remotely so, through video technology. To have for longer than a five-day absence. Uh, we found that it's really hard to get access to that yeah. We've had a really good time, like, if somebody can find a friend who will take 
if the teacher will let them take cell phone pictures of the board as the class is happening that'll support the learning a lot but so some of this is happening kind of like ad hoc on the side right. even with that to have a laptop that is assigned to a classroom that with a camera that is able to actually have a live feed where the student I think right whether it's for they're ill, whether it's for child care issues, whatever it is, they have the opportunity to actually be in class without physically being yeah, in class. Yeah, you're talking yeah online, like the online experience. Yeah, we're not, I, I, I'm with you. I'd like to go there. We're not there yet. Um, and we don't have a one-to-one -one ratio of te uh, laptops to students, which is where we're trying to get there. Uh, we've improved the number of Chromebooks that exist in schools, but we're not at a one-to-one -one um, which is a bit of an equity issue because a lot of districts are one to one. And people don't have the internet. So if you have Chromebook that's true. That's true. That's true. I am going to, I know Dr. Shrike has to leave shortly. He has to go back. I really want to take the opportunity to ask the parents that have taken up their time to be able to ask questions, concerns. Um, anything that you you came here for a reason so this is the opportunity uh, we would like to hear from you um, and then because we could talk forever um, as providers and people from the community um, but are there questions or concerns um, that brought you here today I think both are new to this. Oh, you're a parent? Um, yeah, too. Um, my children are in Sullivan, and this past year was basically hell for me. Yep. So um, communication between parents and the school was non-existent. Mm -hmm. In order for me to get a meeting with the school, I had to go through you. Yeah, that's not typically how it should go, but you're right. Yeah. You did contact me, yep. So what are we doing to prevent that? Because I went through principal, counselors, teachers, and who is the person I have to communicate with? Yeah. So good question. So Sullivan is a school that you, when we look at the survey, struggled with parent engagement last year. I know it's their focus for this year. The person that you should go to is, well, first after the teacher, you should be able to go to the uh, the, the, so any member of the administration or the parent, the parent outreach person at the school. It shouldn't have to go through me. And the fact that it does shows that, that, that the system there is broken. Um, and so that is something we are working with with that particular school mm -hmm. because there were concerns about responsiveness to f families with questions or concerns. Yeah, with that school, re responsiveness and bullying is yep. a really big issue. Mm -hmm. And again, um, my kids are in that school. I still have to deal with them, so I really hope there is changes, like immediate changes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing to work on it. I do know that their focus for their, I, I can tell you this, I know their focus tomorrow and their professional development is all on reaching families because we, Dr. Howard is going to speak to the staff there tomorrow about working with families. He requested, the principal requested him to come out to the school. One training isn't going to make all the difference in the world. They also will have a new assistant principal at the school next this year as well. They're still hiring. Um, but we're also, when we hire, we're thinking about making sure that we have people that are responsive to the needs of families. You know, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I've, Sullivan, you, you could see in the responses of parents, not just you, mm -hmm. that parents didn't feel connected to, this, to, the, to the school, or they didn't feel the school was responsive. 
Right. And then another thing is um, what exactly is being done for more Latinos to be staffed? Mm -hmm. Because I know a big issue... Uh, um, a lot of white people don't understand our children, don't know how to deal with them. Yep. They don't understand their culture, history. Yep. So how are they going to deal with our children? Right. So we, I, I just mentioned before that we are, I, I don't have the exact numbers for this year, but I can tell you that our percentage of teachers of color or uh, Latino staff has increased from last year. We have made an active push as a district to staff um, to, to diversify our staff. I don't, as soon as I get the numbers, I can share with them with you. We're, we are working really hard with Mount Holyoke and our, um, our uh, uh, what we call, I forget, the Urban Teacher Pathways Program to put people through who are uh, staff of color. We, we're looking at paraprofessional pathways because many of our path, paraprofessionals are um, of color from the community. They speak Spanish, and they're some of the best educators. The problem is they can't teach because they don't have their bachelors yet. Uh, if they have their bachelors, we can put them through the Mount Holyoke program. And there's also a new Teach Western Mass initiative that we have, which anybody with their bachelors, um, we can get into the profession and get them certified quickly. The problem is, so if, the, if you know people, uh, we have, this year is the first year of this Teach Western Mass group. You don't have to have a, you don't have to have a, um, a certification. You just have to have your bachelor's and you get one year of training and then you're ready to teach. You, well, you teach for the first year and then you get your certification after one year. The challenge is people who don't have their bachelor's and I can count on my, I can think of a dozen educators who I wish were in front of our kids that because they don't have their college uh, degree or they don't have their bachelor's, they can't teach. But we're, we're, we're working on that. I've talked, somebody was from Elms here. I mean, Elms College is somebody we've talked to about how do we improve those pipelines. I, I, don't, I, don't, agree, I don't necessarily agree that white people can't connect with our kids, what I, but I, what I will tell you is we need more teachers who look like our students in our classrooms, and we need to be more aggressive about hiring bilingual, bicultural staff in the Holyoke Public Schools. Yeah, I think bicultural is the word because... Yep. If you don't understand the kid's culture, no question. there's no way you can understand the child. No question. And what's sad is we have teachers in the Holyoke Public Schools who have trouble getting their certification because of tests that they have to pass, but they are some of the most dedicated teachers who connect with our kids every day. And we, we do whatever we can to keep them in the school system. We have a whole group of teachers that just came from Puerto Rico that were teachers in Puerto Rico. Thankfully, the state gave them a year and a half to get there, or two years to get their certification. But we have at least five or six that have stayed and are working in our schools. They bring, they, yeah, they bring what you see, the ability to connect with our kids in a different way. I'm sorry, I'm gonna bump you, for, if you don't mind, with all due respect, only to respond to um, this individual's um, concern and question. For the past 20 years, we have been monitoring not only from local colleges, but also with the University of Puerto Rico, the decrease in individuals that have finished high school that have chosen a career in education. We still have those statistics. I have asked Dr. Zreich to look at what happened years ago in Springfield when their superintendent created a program. He wanted to see more males males in classrooms of color and he created this pathway from when they were in high school and got them to go to Springfield Technical Community College 
and then they went to Springfield College with a commitment to come back to Springfield to teach for a certain amount of years. When Dr. Zreich speaks about creating excitement in the classroom and you see that teacher that excites you that you want to go back that is what's going to feed our edge our teachers to look like us um, we have over 5,000 students, almost 80%, at 79 point something are Latino. Imagine if even just 25% of them was to decide to be tomorrow's teachers. So I'm hoping that the excitement that Dr. Zreich speaks about, bringing into the schools, into the classrooms, will then generate our next generation of teachers that are Latino. But for this area, especially out of UMass and out of the University of Puerto Rico, we've monitored at a national level the decrease. People don't want to go into the, um, the world of education. It doesn't pay. It's a heartbreak. <laughs> it's hard work. Um, so for all of those reasons, they've chosen other paths. But I'm hoping that he's able to create that excitement about not only being in school, but also wanting to play it forward and teach when they're adults. I'm sorry, Naomi. My apologies. ¿Qué pasó? This is Elba Albizu again. She's one of my dear clients. Um, and Elba's grandson was at Ian White um, this past school year. Um, and there was definitely, it was a long school year. But we made it through and he is moving on to Holyoke High, but she wanted to voice some of her concerns. Okay. Her, her biggest concern was that almost every day um, Doña Elba was receiving phone calls to collect Angel from school. Not necessarily that he was suspended um, with the due process of the paperwork and everything, just that he was being sent home. Um, and so her biggest worry with him moving into the high school level is keeping him engaged so that he isn't just constantly being suspended or she's not constantly being called to come and um, pick him up. First of all, schools cannot send kids home. And I mean, if they're, if they're gonna send a student home, they gotta be suspended, right? So number one, they can't, I know, I know it happens. I mean, we all know it happens, but that is not acceptable to do. And we have talked to our principals about this over and over. You send kids home, they better be suspended. I'm, I, I don't want them suspended, but they, you can't just send a child home uh, without suspension papers or without hearing. That's, it's illegal, you can't do that. So that's number one. And so we, we are, that's, I, I know it happens. It's something we are working on as a system. We, have tr we, we are meeting individually with every school. If you're gonna send a child home for, every, for any re reason, for behavior, you're gonna have to have a suspension hearing, a formal process. Yep. Um, I'm asking a question regarding the conversation I, we had with one of our parents as well. Sure. Regarding, regarding the Veritas uniforms. Yeah. Um, because they're a little high price for the community. Yes, yep. Yeah. So I had a couple. I, I, Betty and I had a conversation about that, and then some other some parents stopped me in the uh, actually a community member who 
uh, was representing a few families um, stopped me about that. And Veritas has said that they, the, uh, it's actually the highest price is 20 but they have options that are $6 for uniforms. And we, we gave that feedback. Betty and I had an uh, exchange with the director about that. Uh, no, that shouldn't prevent a child from coming to school, and $20 seems very high for a uniform shirt. So the answer is there are other options that they can wear that don't cost $20. And it's been made very clear to the organization that, um, that you know, they have to have other options for families who can't afford. Dr. Shrike, I'm yeah. sorry. And Rachel Romano, Romano yep. the director, she said that if anyone, anyone needs um, the uh, top for the uniform, because the pants you could get anywhere, but the tops, they will give it to them at no cost, no questions asked. So yeah. you're not going to get a year's worth, but you will get enough to start the year um, to give you that head start. And they should call Jaritza Baez. Baez, yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. So going on the question that she asked and then your response where if they are going to be calling them to come pick them up and then they should be, then they better be suspended. My concern is, is that that's where our suspension rates are going to start going up even higher because the mere fact is, is that majority of the staff don't want to deal with the child and the easy thing to do is to pick up that phone yep. and be like, no, he's not behaving and for him not to get any worse, I think it's better if you come and pick up. Well, we'll be able to, I, I don't disagree that at first, that will, but I, we can mon I monitor in real time what the suspension rates are at different schools. So if that's happening, you'll, we're going to see spikes. There are schools that do over suspend and um, you know we can tell we, we we can tell where schools are overusing that uh, in terms of getting kids out of school. So then, if they don't do that and they do continue to call the families, to my understanding, would be what they like an hour's worth, and then they're considered present. Then all they have to do is just call the parent, come pick them up. Majority of parents don't even sign the paper or the book saying dismissed. Or if they do, they'll put down home as if it was their choice. Mm -hmm. What I used to do is I would put down per school request. So that way it's Yeah, shows school, but schools can't, <laughs> problem is schools can't request exactly. to do that. But I mean, that's do, the problem. That right, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm just not going to tell you that it's okay because I just don't think it's okay. I mean, if a child really does need to be removed from school because they're danger to themselves or others, then it has to be a suspension. Otherwise, there's no reason why the child needs to be picked up just because you don't want to deal with the child at the end of the day. That, that's not acceptable. So what should, what should parents do? I, I think parents, Because you know, then it's looked at as um, abandonment mm -hmm. and then they can file a petition. I think they need, to, they need to contact the central office because principals have been, it has been made very clear to schools that that is not an acceptable practice. So no one can say, that that has been something that we've permitted in the Holyoke Public Schools. We just don't. So as soon as we become aware of it, there'll be consequences for the school. Yeah, I was also um, inquiring about, um, are we also looking at the suspension rates for students who are in special education and um, the impact that that has on them and how easily, yeah. in her experience, um, her uh, grandson was suspended even though he was a special education child? 
Yeah, well, uh, you have to have a manifestation hearing based on, you have to look at whether, what their, if their disability uh, was uh, part of the uh, cause of suspension and you can't, or the behavior, which means you can't suspend a child for that. So that's a very good point. She's right. We, we do look at, there are, there are legal requirements with suspension of students with special needs. She's absolutely right. But the manifestation doesn't come until after 10 After 10 days. After 10 days. You're right, 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 right. I didn't wait. I didn't wait. I just requested one. I said, if you are going to, because he had already been sent home, yep. like 12 days of that school year without suspension. So I said, if you are going to suspend this child this time around and like go through the actual process, then we need to have this meeting. Well, what I would suggest, if it, if in a case with a special needs student and there's trouble, there's there's uh, challenges with the the school day, then it's important to reconvene the team bring the special ed team together to talk about because maybe this the services aren't working and you're going to have to make adjustments to the services for that for that child the answer isn't to say go home it's to bring the team together and figure out how to better serve that student and you can just, uh, request an amendment to the IEP right, right. And it's, it's a discussion it doesn't mean they're going to right. but that way if they, if they that's right calling, and every week you're like well I want a meeting to request an amendment they're going to get tired of that one that's right 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 Señora, dicho con su permiso, estamos bien. Entendiste lo que él está diciendo y está satisfecha con la contesta. Just want to do a check-in yeah. to make sure she's understanding and that she's satisfied with the response and that there's clarity about. Pero vamos a ver, espero que no, pero si algo pasa, tienes apoyo aquí para ayudarte y para advocar para, para tu hijo, okay? So I'm going to put you on the spot a sure. little bit. Yeah. Um, so in the past few years, we've had trouble getting tutoring for people absent over five days. Yep. Um, and there should be tutoring, for, if there is for anybody, for anybody else who's over five days for an excused absence. Um, like that's the law. So if it's for a long-term illness, if it's for a pregnancy leave, if it's for a suspension, it has to be the same across the board. It's not right? five days for suspension. No. Okay. No. Um, it, it, you're not. I, I'm not sure that the policy you have is exactly correct. But yes, there needs to be tutoring for long-term yeah. uh, so leaves. For, for a medical leave. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, that's like the. But I wanted to make it universal so that it's yep. a point for everybody. So I heard in the past year from a couple of different people that the school would like to move away from tutoring. Because the rule is if you have tutoring for one person, you have to have tutoring for anybody in the same circumstance. So if you have tutoring for one type of illness, no. you have to have tutoring for anybody in that. And that someone specifically said to me, and I'm not going to say who it is because that will ruin the relationship, but that the Springfield Public Schools don't have that, so we should move away from doing that. So is that in the Holyoke Public Schools plan? No, nope, because, I mean, if it's a legal requirement, it's a legal requirement. I'm not sure that the, I, I don't, I, I don't offhand know exactly what the legal requirements are on that, but. It's just that it has to be universal for medical. So if it, you do one thing for one kind of medical, then it has to be universal. I'm not sure it has to be, you, know, you have to provide access to learning to kids, and there can be different ways of doing that. I know it's. Um, it's yeah, it's a spectrum. Yeah. So I had kids who were out for suspension reason, 
and that I did um, because of they had behavioral needs. Yeah. I did push more for the tutoring option. Yep. Where I had other kids that were um, dealing with medical and not necessarily their own medical, but like a sibling. So the family had to like go out to Boston for a week because the sibling was really ill. So then I was like, okay, then how do we do this remotely where they have access? And like uh, the other thing that a lot of do, and again, it's not all the way across, but a lot of schools, which and I feel like you know you give props where props are due, um, is that a lot of teachers, um, especially at the high school level, have a lot of their um, like work and their different things that are available to the students online. Right. So if their families are, so I did spend a lot of time showing families how to log into those systems so that they knew that at home, even on cell phones, um, really, they can use those apps and, and options. So it is a spectrum. It's not necessarily one size fits all um, yeah. for that. I guess the lie I know about it is Title IX, right, which is really specific to pregnant students. And I was trying to make this yeah. universal, but the law for pregnant students is if you give somebody on medical leave a tutor, when they're on medical leave for pregnancy, they have to get a tutor also. And somebody implied to me last year, well, maybe that'll change because they didn't think that it was worth it to have so many tutors out at a time. And they weren't always available, we found. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're pre I mean, if you're on medical leave, you need to have a tutor. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, there are sometimes it could be one tutor with uh, multiple students. You know, they can come to a central location at the library. There's various ways of doing it, but I I don't know. If, I don't I don't know how Springfield would ever be able to get away with that. That's just illegal. I, mean, I really just wanted you to say out sure. loud if you're on medical leave, you should have a tutor. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. And and going forward, I'd like to say that to somebody else who has, who yep. has is arranging that. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Oh, will some of the initiatives that you started last year continue, like the Attendance Coalition? Yes. And if you, I may have missed it, so I, I apologize if I have. Um, can you give us an update on what's happening with uh, Ileana Cintron's position? Yeah, that's a good question. So we split the role to have an enrollment director and to have a family and community engagement director. When Ileana um, uh, said that she wanted to move closer to home to her family, she's still with us. <laughs> so um, she's still with us. She hasn't left. Um, the enrollment director we hired lasted two weeks. So Ileana has now been swinging to do enrollment. She's really been amazing and picked up anything we've asked her to do. We are interviewing. I, I haven't. We have interviewed. We had finalists for the community engagement role. We haven't found the right person. I'm pretty picky about that role. Um, and um, so we had a team that forwarded names. I just didn't feel like it was the right folks. We are. We still have a position there, and we have an open enrollment uh, director position as well. Because part of the feedback we get from families is the enrollment process is way too complicated. It's too confusing. It's, it's not organized enough. So we're trying to improve those processes. We use too much paper and yeah, things. I feel, I help my put out the it's too much. It's it's a it's a chat. We we recognize it's not our strength, um, and so we wanted to split the role because we need to fix the enrollment center processes and have somebody more dedicated to family and community. What I was talking about the enrollment process, I yeah. just went through it. Yeah. Um, and another issue that I had, um, bringing my little one back from the charter school back into the public yep. schools. Um, we put down our primary language at home as Spanish, and because of that, they were asking to do the language Eva. Yeah, they do. And I was like, um, you like, have that's to. My primary language, the child speaks fluent English. She's been in the public schools before. So they, we, by law, we have to do that. I don't. 
we have to do it by law. If you put down that another language is spoken at home, um, then we have to screen. So even if it's just the parent's primary language and not the child's? Yes. Yep. I mean, it's, I, I understand what you're saying. That doesn't seem like a waste of resources. It's, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're required to do testing uh, for services because parents have to have the option. I mean, you should probably screened out. Yeah, I mean, I crossed out Spanish and put English just because I don't want it. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> it is a, a time-consuming, it's time-consuming, and it makes the process slower because we have to test a lot more kids. Uh, we, we have one thing we did uh, change this year, which is, I think it was institutional racism, but um, is we have stopped uh, in the placement of pre-K students, we have stopped requiring a screener before enrollment. So, because what we did to families, and I, I didn't really figure this out until this year, you learn new things every day, is that you would get screened for pre-K and if you didn't qualify for special education, but you didn't qualify for a, being a peer, you know, like a, a model student, then you were basically sitting at home. And so, so we just, uh, we eliminated that practice because what it did was you had all these children who were not model. I don't even know what model means. I mean, I don't know what, who the model is. I mean, I don't know if it's... You don't want to pay attention during the right, I guess, yeah, we're fidgety during the screening. And you don't qualify for special education service. Just means you're like an average, you know, the average five-year-old like my son who's like active, right? I mean, pre-K, yeah, three or four. So now we're just assigning kids on a first-come, first-served basis with seats. And then we screen, but we just screen for data and information for the teacher, not screening for placement and enrollment. Now. I, yesterday. Yep. That's right. We're going back now and calling those families. We actually, the person that really led this effort was at Miss Lynch, the former principal of Morgan, who's working centrally now. She's helping. I mean, it is race. It was a institutional racism because you didn't, if you didn't follow the model, you ended up. On, and they yeah, told you to, to go to private, which they tried to go to money. private exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they know that you can't. Right. Now, we don't have enough seats for every child, yeah. and then Head Start and VOC, but now have some seats for kids, but at least now that won't be the barrier. The barrier is we just don't have an opening for you, not because your child doesn't. They're going to be our kids anyway, so we might as well enroll them right away, uh, then, then put them out where they may not have a seat at all. So. I'm sure that this has come up at the attendance coalition <coughs> meetings where parents enroll their children, but then... The, the amount of absences on pre-K is exorbitant. It's huge. Yeah. And so what happens is is that those seats stay um, allocated, right, to that child, but the parent isn't sending them regularly so that then you have this wait list. There's no seats available for the other ones. Now, if you were to send your child to a private or even if they were to be under the voucher program, you get two, 10 days, it's 10 days that you are allowed per year to be out. You could use it for vacation, yep. you could do it whatever. And that's something that as a community, I think we have a responsibility to get better at in getting parents to understand 
the importance of that pre-K, because kindergarten is no longer what it was like when my 45-year-old was going to school, or even 30-year-olds. Um, and so that the pre-K is really critical so that when you are fortunate enough to get a seat, send that child as every single day, just as if it was a regular grade school. Um, I would also add to that, that I think that, and my background in community organizing, you know how my brain works, that we need to give our families also space to grow into these new opportunities. And the reason why I say that is because for so long, it is beaten into us in schools, at the workplace, at the grocery store, don't speak Spanish, don't speak Spanish, don't speak Spanish, don't like English here, English here, right? And all of a sudden, we wanna have <laughs> this <laughs> bilingual education program and we wanna certify yeah. our students and all these things, right? So it's about, so I think that, and then there is the, the years of being beaten into you that you don't necessarily deserve an education. So I think that we need, that we should also be aware and conscious of allowing our families to grow into this so that they know. And Holyoke is a generational space, right? Our Latino families have been here for generations, as we all know, which means that a lot, that their grandparents raising their grandkids, and what, what was their experience like? Because most likely a lot of them have either the grandparents, and because now who used to be our teen parents back in like the 90s and early 2000s are now grandparents and what was their experience like with Holyoke Public Schools and really understanding the change in the dynamics which I again give props to and stuff but also I'm just saying like also let's give families the space to grow into these new way of thinking that they weren't afforded before. Yeah we look at language now as additive like a you know a, a, an advantage as a um, as a privilege um, and um, so you're right, and I, I think it's it's a shift in our mindset. We're the hardest thing in this district is to change the mindset and I, by and the culture. It's it's take it take, it's going to take time, and I'm not promising you that all these things are going to be fixed next year. You're still going to run into some of the things, but we're slow. I, I believe that there's progress, and I know the mindset has changed. The law has helped us too around bilingual education because the law just changed with the Look Act which now allows us to use Spanish uh, legally in classrooms to help with for tra transitional bilingual uh, experience. We don't have any transitional bilingual programs because they were eliminated, but we are looking at um, doing that. We, we actually have an opening now because Ana Lugo is at Kelly School as the assistant principal, so we're looking for a new director of English language learning. It's great that Ana's there. I miss her dearly because, uh, and she's in a principal training program um, but we are uh, looking at additional models for uh, transitional bilingual. I happen to believe that dual language programs are the most effective because you maintain both languages and, and, and you're writing, reading in both languages. Yeah, and I, what I, the feedback about the dual language that I've heard as the school liaison as I work with families here is that families are really afraid. They are afraid. Because you're they're right. really afraid that their kids are going to suffer and that their academics are going to suffer. You're right. And again, this is as a direct result of the generational trauma right. that they have experienced with Holyoke Public Schools. Not the new administration, not the new staff. No, no, you're right. But it is a generational trauma. And so it, what is it, well, how the way that it's exhibiting itself is that families are like telling me, and I'm like, no, this is a great program. Think about it, consider it, even the STEM. And you know, they have that issue. And right. so again. And the middle school, the middle class white and Latino families are the ones who choose the dual language oh, yeah. program. Because so, they. So can you, you've only got a couple of more yeah. minutes with us. Can you share with us what is, where are you at right now with 
bilinguals put in implementing bilingual education into schools? So we, I mean, we already have the dual language paths. We opened the Newcomer Academy last year at the high school, which was for anybody who was a recent arrival um, at high school. And we are starting to do that at Kelly School with a middle school newcomer. We're piloting that at Kelly because Anna and Luis are there um, and to see what that looks like. We are not, there's no, I mean, we have told people they can, we, we're not telling people they can't use Spanish language to support students. We are um, also trying to bring the bilingual pack back because the law requires districts to have a bilingual pack. I don't know when the last time Holyoke had one. We, we've had a very successful SPED pack. Mildred has been part of the leadership. Uh, but it's been a long time and we need, I need help. That's an area I need help because I'd like to bring parents together we need to bring parents together and have a leadership team that works with me and the district around the bilingual services and explaining to the family because there's a ton of confusion about. So, and then some parents don't want the services because they're not, it's not clear to them what that means when you get ESL services in schools. So we're, we're moving slowly. The good news is we already have, we were bold, we were ahead of the curve with the dual language programs. And then with the Newcomers Academy, we were doing that even before the law had, had changed. So, um, but I, I think the next step for us is to get a parent group together. So, uh, I mean, Betty, I'm, I don't know if you can help me do that. <laughs> uh, we have this wonderful person here from Sullivan. Yeah. I think that we have uh, Senora Ibisu. We have Senora Cintron. I think we have Mildred here. Yeah. Mildred, do your pop. I get involved in everything. Well, she's, I, I got her, she's on the SPED pack. Right. Here. I can share with you that when I was raising my sons here, who were no, it was never intended to be that. We were supposed to transition out of it. So if we have this opportunity now, we have the right for bilingual education now. Let's frame it in a way that works for your children who are in the schools. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, that's why I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of bil transitional bilingual. Not be, it's better than not having it. I, I want more dual language models because that preserves. Look, I want my child to speak Spanish. Unfortunately, he's not in a school system that's going to allow him to do that. We're we're in a place where we can define if that's what people want. There's no reason we can't have dual language programs at Kelly or Morgan School. And this is a later. We can put this in yeah. the based on dialect, right? Yeah. So the way the Mexican here It's different, is right, right. It's not the same as Puerto Rican, it's not the same as Cuban, Dominican, like Caribbean Spanish yeah. is different from Spain Spanish. So like, really Working in this community with a Spain Spanish background, you've got like a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> no. Thank you. Yep. Yes, I do have to go. Um, Thank you. Parents. Alguna otra pregunta, inquietud que tienen antes que él se vaya por la puerta? Another question, concerns that you have before he leaves? No, providers? No? Um, Dr. Shrike, um, Ephraim and Naomi and Maggie, 
they were, yes, they have been asked by parents, working parents, if you could make this presentation available during evening hours. Okay, all right. So can we call, see Aki, can we call your office and schedule that within the next two weeks? Thank you so much.